You're listening to the Rec2 Tech podcast. We connect the tech thought leaders across the globe to deliver content that allows you to make better career and hiring decisions. Welcome and thanks for joining us. You are here today because you believe that information and knowledge sharing is critical in a connected world. Our goal with this show and company is to introduce high quality, actionable insights that will help both hiring managers and job seekers execute lean recruitment processes and gain industry knowledge to further enhance their careers. Today, I'm joined by an engineer turned founder of a newly launched marketplace for services designed to help consumers outsource any kind of tasks to trusted ID verified taskers in a simple and secure way. He was part of the ADAPT innovation team of Bain & Company, where he supported companies and corporations to innovate, adapt, and reinvent their products, strategies, and methodologies. He's a highly skilled engineer, manager, and instructor, having worked on rebuild and development projects throughout Berlin. Having had the pleasure of knowing him for the past four years, it is a great pleasure to introduce Lorenzo, founder of Grazia. So welcome to the show, Lorenzo. How are you doing? I'm very, very good. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, really, really excited to be talking about Lean Startup with you. Perfect. And yeah, I mean, you, you jump straight into it. So the focus of the talk today is around the idea of the Lean Startup methodology. So I've come with a trusted book from Eric Ries, um, which has obviously been popular for a while now. But I think I picked it up roughly about a year and a half ago, two years ago had no idea what it was, um, started to read it, then started to work with more companies who thought that way. And then now we fast forward, I kind of wanted to just share it with people from somebody who's actually implemented it. So just to quickly explain what it is, it's a methodology for developing businesses and products and aims to shorten the product development cycle and rapidly discover uh, if a proposed business model is obviously viable. So it's achieved for adapting Um, combination of business hypothesis uh, driven experimentation iteration of product releases and obviously validated learning so before we jump into anything specific about how it's implemented or anything like that um, just to explain why obviously you're on the call you have obviously just launched your own business Grazia um, and you've basically been using the lean startup methodology pretty much since day one, if I'm right. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, to be to be fair, like I, I started using lean startup or uh, or as you did, I, I, I discovered lean startup was when I was an engineer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, found myself so many times being in, in the situation to, to build uh, things that I was asking myself, like, why am I really doing it? Uh, is it worth it? Is it the right thing? Uh, how should we really build it and why and so on and so forth? And, and since then, I never really abandoned it. And I, yeah. I, I carry it with me throughout my whole career. And I would say that, yeah, definitely it, the most important time for me was uh, to, when I used the Lean Startup was definitely in, in the process of, of creating Grazia and, and throughout the whole development of Grazia as a product and as a business. So you, you've used it obviously in your current business that we're just founding. So we'll talk about that in a second. You've used it in your former company, obviously Bain & Company. And obviously, we'll touch upon how you've actually helped implement it into larger corporations. And if we have time on this video, as far as I'm aware, you've also used it in your previous company before Bain & Company as well. Um, But obviously, we'll we'll see if we've got time for that. But before we dive into, you know, how it's used in a corporation, how it's used potentially in a new startup, can you explain what is the actual key teachings of what the Lean Methodology is trying to help us achieve? Yeah. So in the in the definition that, that you were um, that you were saying before of the lean startup, that, that there's actually a lot of meat in there. There's a lot of to unpack, um, and I would like to focus on three aspects, um, which yeah, are to me the, the, the three key learnings that are really really important, and that everyone that would like to try lean startup should, should follow. Um, before jumping to that, I want to say just one thing. 
Uh, you, you were saying that Lean Startup is a methodology, which is absolutely correct. Um, what I would like to add is that Lean Startup is an agile methodology, which I think is very, very important mm -hmm. um, because that means that for all the people, all the companies that are really using agile, uh, it means that they can, you know, include Lean Startup in their processes without having to change radically. You know, it, it, they, they might, even if they decide to not adopt Lean Startup entirely, they might be able to just take uh, bits and bytes here and there and just, you know, add them to their agile de development process. But yeah, back to the, the, key, the key learnings and the key teachings. So the first one, is absolutely about validated learning, which basically means that you as a founder, you as a as a product person, part of a product team, anything, you can have a lot of assumptions and you can have a lot of hypotheses. And your hypothesis can be more or less accurate. They can be a right or wrong, of course. They can be based on a, a more or less in-depth research. But they are hypotheses, and you should uh, accept that. You should embrace that, and you should uh, aim, or you should find ways to transform these hypotheses into facts. Mm -hmm. And that is where lean uh, validated learning comes comes into play. Right? You you want to constantly be learning. You constantly want to. Um, test your hypothesis and learn from, from these tests. And which means finding ways to actually test this hypothesis and maybe most importantly, finding ways to measure uh, your, these tests, right? So am I actually learning something? Uh, yes or no? I think this is very, very, very critical. And you, you have to do it by adopting or seeking uh, real metric proof in constant to, um, you know, vanity metrics, which I think is something that um, everyone, is very, very simple to fall into that pitfall and choosing, you know, metrics uh, and KPIs that do not really approve or disprove your assumption, but they make you or your idea or your product or your feature look good. Uh, you know, it's uh, when you do lean startup, but I think in general, if you build something, you, you want to build the right thing. Mm -hmm. And you cannot expect to be building always the right thing and to be always building the right thing at the first try, right? Yeah. So you're going to be wrong. Embrace that. Try to find ways to to prove yourself right or wrong as soon as possible, as fast as possible. So adopt real metric proof and not vanity vanity metrics. When when you're talking about vanity metrics, for those that haven't necessarily heard of the Lean Startup before or, or had the pleasure of reading the book or, or watching any of Eric's talks or anything like that. So real metric proof and vanity metrics, he explains it in the book, is obviously two very different things. And you're right, a lot of people will fall into the vanity side I know, I know what it means. You know what it means. But for, for somebody who's never understood this, can you give an example of what a vanity metric might be and what a, obviously, I guess, what a real metric proof would be? Uh, totally. Um, I think the we're actually probably going to get in more details later, but um, when we talk about Grazie and my, my experience with it, but for instance, um, user signups is something that very often can be a, a vanity metric because it's something that you can tweak very easily, right? So you can, for instance, increase your marketing budget or your efforts, acquire more users, and therefore you have more, more signups. And when you want to you know, test the viability of your product, Mm -hmm. A lot of times signups is not really what you actually want to, to measure because having a lot of users by itself doesn't really mean anything, right? Okay, you can have a million users, 
but nobody, let's make an example of an e-commerce, is actually buying anything. Do you have a viable business? I, I wouldn't say so. Yeah. So the in that example, then the, the vanity metric would be how many users we get per month, but the real metric is maybe how many people are actually buying the product that we have on this e-commerce platform. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. Okay. Absolutely. So you've obviously discussed the validated, validated learning aspect. What are the other two main teaching points that you would say are from this? I The, the, the second point is um, that you need to constantly be aiming for product market fit, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what product market fit, it means that in, in, in simple words, that you're, you need to have the feeling that the market, which ultimately is your, your users or your potential users, are pulling the product out of you, right? So you're not trying to enforce the product. You're not trying to enforce a specific behavior or specific features or specific needs. Uh, and you're not trying to do that because you're just like miserably going to fail. You just cannot do that. Uh, but in contrast, in opposition to that, you need to actually follow the the market, right? And so you constantly generate hypotheses uh, that you can do in, you know, that there are several ways, several methodologies. Um, design thinking might be one, but th- th- there are really so so many. And you test these hypotheses with your users. The users decide if they like it or they don't like it, if they want it or they don't want it. And based on that, you decide what's the next step and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. If you do this throughout your development process, you, you end up having a business or, or a product that is basically shaped by your users. And that's what I mean by having the market pulling the product out of out of you. Okay. And then the the last one from your perspective, what would that be? The the last one is about MVP mm-hmm. and more specific, specifically about MVP as a mindset. Um, I think talking about MVP is like opening a Pandora box, right? Like you could talk for, for, for days and weeks and you will find a lot of people that agree with you, a lot of people that disagree. Um, but ultimately MVP means like minimum viable product. Um, where, and I think it's very important to maybe spend like just a couple of seconds talking about what these words really mean. Um, so first of all, the MVP is a product, right? So it needs to be something that you can put in front of users that you can have users, uh, use, uh, if users cannot use something, if they cannot interact with it, if you cannot experience it, then you're not doing an MVP, uh, then, uh, viable right so you want to test the viability of one or multiple hypotheses even though i would say that trying to limit the number of hypotheses you test uh, in each iteration of, of your mvps is is, is usually a, a good thing uh, otherwise you 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 risk to create interdependencies uh, you know mm-hmm. between hypotheses and then screw up your, your, your learnings ultimately. And uh, the last word is minimum. And I kept it as last because I think this is the word that causes the most uh, confusion. And um, um, and it. I think that's the word that pushes a lot of people away from MVP because a lot of people misunderstand uh, what, um, what minimum means. So minimum doesn't mean crappy. Minimum doesn't mean ugly. Uh, minimum doesn't mean broken. Uh, minimum means that you want to build only what is required in order to make the other two um, the other two parts of the acronym MVP is a viable and product possible. Mm-hmm. So you ultimately want to build just what is required to test the viability of your product. Mm-hmm. In other words, um, 
make, but speaking, uh, I, I want to make an example. Like a lot of people say, oh, but MVPs are, are ugly, crappy, you know, that they are very bad to use. Um, I, I don't think there is anywhere uh, something like that uh, being, being, being said or written or, or, or specified. If a great user experience or a great design is part of your um, of what you want to test and is part of your of your product of your core, uh, well, then you do definitely want to include that in your MVP, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you think about challenger banks, uh, a lot uh, of what um, challenger banks offer to users, what they bring to the table is a great user experience. So you cannot MVP a challenger bank if you provide uh, a product, an MVP that does not have a great experience. So definitely invest on that. You still have a chance to uh, be truth to the word minimum, for example, by reducing the number of features or reducing your your audience, right? So the possible, um, you know, the number of users you're targeting with your MVP, you might decide to focus on a very, very specific niche that has specific needs. And therefore you, you keep, you know, the, um, the, um, the number of features and the for, therefore the, the resources, the investment you need to put into building the MVP to the minimal. I think in the book, Eric explains that the MVP is designed to get the early adopters in. So the people who don't necessarily matter, there's a few bugs, glitches, things like that, but they just quite enjoy the idea and then you start building. And actually to give an example as well, um, so obviously at the beginning of kind of COVID, one of my friends, um, which you're actually part of the community as well, a guy called Alex obviously started a, a mentoring kind of Slack channel. So this, we basically just used Slack's product itself to test the hypothesis. Would people be interested in mentoring other people? Pure and simple, would you be happy to connect with a stranger, support them career or personal development? And I think in the space of a month and a half, we have just under 200 people on that Slack channel. So the hypothesis is confirmed. It's now, okay, how do we move that to the next stage in the MVP? It's okay, we've, we've got the website, we've got the Slack channel. What do we keep iterating to get it a little bit better, a little bit further along? Do we build something different? So I think the whole the whole thing about making it absolutely minimal, you, you know, you're, you're correct in using it as the last bit is that, he used something that was free to use to test the hypothesis was the community there, not let's go build something perfect and then find actually there's no market fit. Totally. Uh, absolutely. And I think it's particularly challenging when it comes to um, product and I would say possibly even more difficult for technical people, engineers, developers. Uh, because they usually struggle to accept that whatever they are building or releasing might 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 lack some functionalities, you know, and they it's something that they care so much about that putting out there something that they know is not complete. Mm. Um, even though we could argue forever about what complete really means, uh, because I guess nothing is ever complete when we, when we talk about uh, businesses or, or, or products and particular technical products. Uh, but, but yeah, that, that's what they struggle with so, so much, right? That the minimum means like giving up on something, at least in the short term. And they most of the time find it, they take it as a failure, right? And, and, uh, um, and that's why before I was saying that the third key learning is MVP, but in particular MVP as a mindset, because MVP is not one stage, one milestone in a product roadmap, you know, or in the development phase of a product or, or in the history of a company. If you embrace the fact that MVP can be a mindset, it means that you can be MVPing everything and you can keep MVP, which means you do you never release one MVP and after that you release like the final or, or whatever you want to call it. 
every time you just move from one iteration of a P and of an MVP to another iteration. And if you embrace it, this mindset, then I think it becomes much more simple uh, to accept the fact that you are releasing something that from your point of view is not finished yet, mm. because it becomes a yet you will do another iteration if your hypothesis is proven correct where you will be you know going one step further into development of, of that pre, of that feature of that functionality or in the development of your business and and that's okay right you just add another piece and you test that piece and then you move forward and so on and so forth but if you are unfortunately proven wrong and that happens, uh, mm -hmm. well, then you are just saving so much time, so much frustration. I would say it's actually also even saving you from being unable to accept a failure because if you built something, a company, a product for two years and then you have your big bang and you release everything, and the market doesn't respond as you expected, how hard is it to accept that verdict from the market? It's really, really difficult, right? Yeah. But if you instead invested three months and the market says like, mm, not really. Well, at that point, it's fairly simple to pivot, to try to adjust, to experiment something different. Mm. I think what I'm curious now is to understand a bit more how you've actually done this with with your current company so as we mentioned in the introduction you've just launched uh, Grazia you obviously uh, I've known you in a couple of different companies now so uh, it's a big obviously achievement to launch your own business um, so talk us through I guess a little bit more about what what you guys do um, and then how we're using lean right now to you know try and find what your market fit effectively is and I guess on top of that, have we gone through the motions of doing an MVP and iterations and that feedback loop? How has that gone so far, being a couple of months as a business? Yeah. So, grazie. As you were saying before, is a marketplace for services. As of right now, is a C2C marketplace. So, we try to match customers and, and customers. So not, we are not uh, targeting professionals or businesses. And the, the idea is, well, you just cannot source any kind of task. And on the other hand, you have, you know, people that are, you know, maybe trying to earn some extra money that are after Corona unemployed and they struggle to find another job, uh, students uh, and so on and so forth that might be able to actually provide this kind of services that the other side of, of the marketplace is looking for. And what we try to do is, is to match them. Um, the, the idea came, I think it's something that me and my co-founder had in our heads for somehow for a long time it was never like concrete but you know th this moment where you where you say where you tell yourself like oh i would pay someone to do this for me right like i would love to pay someone to be, to, to do this for me and, and we found ourselves uh, several times in, in, in this situation and then uh, last winter i was lucky enough to be to spend like a few months in brazil and, and there they have this uh, iFood um, and, um, well, I forgot the name of the other company. But anyway, they are um, Rappi, Rappi. They are kind of um, Liferando Deliveroo's, but they actually provide um, a lot of additional services that Deliveroo and Liferando or Fudora do not provide. And I guess... Uh, noticing that plus this thing that we had in the back of our heads for a long time uh, brought us to, to the point that we thought, okay, maybe th th there is a space, um, th there is a market to, to do something um, mm -hmm. along those lines here in, in Europe, here in Germany uh, as well. And so we decided to try. Now, 
I think I would like to say that our startup uh, is the most complicated one and our idea is the riskiest one. Uh, but I guess uh, the, the truth is that every startup is very complicated. Every new business idea is very complicated, right? And we were very aware of that. Um, and we were aware of the fact that when you build a marketplace, you do need to deal with, with, with two different sides right you, you have like it's a little bit like having two products right because you're targeting different users uh, and therefore you need to make sure that you are appealing to to, to both this the sides of, of your marketplace otherwise you don't have a marketplace uh, so a lot of risks a lot of uncertainty what we decided to do which is to be honest very similar to uh, what you mentioned uh, before with this uh, Slack group, um, we decided to build a, a landing page, which is like Lean Startup textbook, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a landing page is basically a website, is a one page or just a couple of pages website uh, that can be built using um, some you know, website generator tools, uh, like, I don't know, Jimdo or whatever, or you can build like landing, you can use landing pages, builders, like Unbounce or lead pages uh, that are very similar, but they offer some like analytics tools on top of uh, the traditional web builder tools that allow you to a little bit measure the, um, um, the response of your landing page. And so, yeah, we used one of these tools. We built our landing page. We built actually a couple, several landing pages. And what was the content of these landing pages? Where we tried to sell our USP, right? We tried to um, describe what our product was and why our potential users, uh, in, in our opinion, uh, were had to try our product, right? Why they were, why they should not live without it. Uh, so yeah, try to describe your USP. Uh, you build, or most of the time, you wanna build multiple landing pages because uh, you wanna test different variations of your USP. Um, or for instance, you might want to test different features, right? So if you wonder like, what could be my killer feature? Well, try multiple ones, try multiple landing pages in each landing page, put a different, um, a different feature. Uh, you might be wondering what is the correct pricing for my product? Once again, try different landing pages with different pricing models and, uh, and see how your users respond. Uh, when I say see how users respond, I mean, uh, and if we think back to what an MVP is, and if we think about the validator learning, and if we think about real metric proof, well, you do want to get some metric out of your landing page. And I would say the commonly agreed upon metric is conversion rate. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't want to look at um, sessions or visits or this kind of metrics, because this it might easily fall into the vanity metric kind mm -hmm. of, uh, kind of uh, KPI, because you can spend more money, drive more traffic to your landing page and increase the number of, of visits, right? What you want to know, though, is are the users that come to the page interested in this product and would they be willing to try it if this product would exist? Because, of course, you're just building the landing page. You're actually not building the product. So what, what we did, we add um, a like a tiny form that was asking, if I remember correctly, name, uh, email, and name, last name, and email, uh, to add a little bit of friction, right? So if people are willing to leave this uh, personal information behind, it means that they really kind of care and they didn't just click by accident on your on this button. 
little hoop that you get them to jump through, so to speak. Yeah, exactly, right? It's I, I would say it's literally adding a little bit of friction because yeah. friction is a proof of interest. Um, if you just, you know, would magically make something appear on the screen of your users, that would mean anything, right? So add friction, and that is a proof of interest. And so we did this multiple landing pages. Uh, we, we, we tried uh, different variations of our, of our model, of our functionalities, of our features, uh, and of our pricings as well. And out of this, we picked the one that had the best conversion rate, which conversion rate, um, and conversion rate is the, the, um, the number of people that actually leave the, the personal details and, and subscribe compared to the number of, of total visitors. Sure. And, and by the way, I would say it's, it's uh, as a rule of thumb, aim to have at least a 20% conversion rate. Um, I say as a rule of thumb because it highly depends on your business, uh, on what you're trying to sell, uh, who is your, your target group. It depends on a lot of things, but I think 20% is a good average. And on the internet, there are like a ton of resources. So before you carry on for a second, just want to backtrack slightly to make sure we understand it correctly. You're saying create several landing pages before we start creating the product. So the MVP in this instance is the landing page. The hypothesis is, are people going to be interested in this sort of product? Is that right? That is correct. Okay, cool. Absolutely. So we're creating these landing pages. Are we creating different... Um, so web links, so they, they might see Grazia, they might see company number two, they might see company number three, or is it that a different person will see a randomly generated one of three landing pages and then you start comparing that way? Because again, going into the MVP stages, so I'm sitting there setting up my business, feel really good about it. But now before I start actually doing anything, I've got to go create three or four different pages before I even start doing any work on the actual business. So how, how are we getting those landing pages in front of people? Right. So if we bring back the, the, the definition of Lean Startup, we see that the Lean Startup aims to shorten product development cycles and to rap rapidly discover if a proposed business model is viable. So in order to discover if a business model is viable, you, if possible, you don't want to build the whole product, the whole company. Um, you actually don't want to build anything if, if possible. So, so yeah, the, 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 the landing page comes before you start doing anything. In our specific example, the, the, the landing page came before we even incorporated a company, before, I guess, we even chose a name for the company, right? It, it's... It came before anything because we just didn't want to invest any time, mental resources, anything into it before we had uh, some some kind of some kind of validation. Then to to your other point about multiple landing pages. So, um, well, actually taking it from another angle. Uh, how do you get people to your or users to your landing page? So you should not expect people to come through, I don't know, uh, uh, SEOs or like organic traffic um, because well, that's just not going to happen in such a short amount of time. So usually you have to, to, pay, to use paid traffic, which means advertisement. Mm -hmm. And we chose Facebook ads. Uh, because they're very, very simple to set up. Actually, anyone can do that. There is like a very, very simple, well, relatively simple interface, web interface that allow you to set up different campaigns, different ads. Uh, you can try different um, audiences and you can be very, very precise in defining your audiences, which I think is really, really important because one of the biggest um, uncertainties, question marks you have when you start a new business is 
who are my users, who are my potential users, or who is my ideal users. And you most certainly are going to have some hypothesis, some ideas. But one of the best ways to validate that is, well, create multiple ads mm-hmm. with multi- or, or maybe use the same ads, but target different audiences and bring all these audiences to your landing pages or to your landing page specifically, and then see from which audience you are um, getting the best conversion rate. And then you can see, well, this kind, this audience is probably the audience I want to focus on for this specific product. But you might also see for this other variation of my product, this other audience is performing much better, right? So you, you might learn a lot of different things and how to really interpret those different things is ultimately up to you, right? There is also a, a, a choice that every entrepreneur has to make at some point, like I appreciate this, uh, this model or this other model. What you want though ultimately is to have a validation that, that there is a viability in there. Okay, so we've we've got the MVPs of the web pages. We've started to use paid traffic or paid advertisements to gain at least some level of traffic to start working on a hypothesis. When do we say enough people have clicked on the one that we can now see? Okay, that is the right hypo- hypothesis. Let's start heading in that direction. When is enough enough? Effectively, that is. Um... That is a very good question. Uh, there are actually um, statistical models that tell you, you know, how many people, how many users you need in order to have like a statistically relevant conversion rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, there, there are just like uh, even tools that allow you to on the internet that allow you to enter. You know, those are the users I have on the page. This is the conversion rate I got. Uh, how how relevant, statistically relevant this number is, and, mm-hmm. and you're gonna see, which is something very similar to when you do A/B testing, for for instance. And I actually think that if you use tools like landing page, um, sorry, lead pages or unbound, uh, I believe that they actually. Uh, show this kind of information directly to you without having to do any any additional like calculation. Okay, so your your business as it is now, and hopefully you feel you know comfortable enough to say the idea that was in your mind end of last year was the hypothesis proved correct or incorrect, or have you had to? pivot the business slightly since doing these these kind of experimentational tests? So using uh, landing pages gave us the confidence that there is a market for our um, for for us to 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 try to tap into. Um, what we did after that was that we created some some bots mm-hmm. on. Uh, we use SMS bots. Uh, we use IVRs, this like res- automated respondents um, that you can use uh, over the phone, and uh, a, a messenger bot that were actually that built basically using the same the same bot, just available on different uh, on different. Um, platforms and we use that to simulate uh, the interaction that the users would have had with what we thought um, our app or or, or platform would be right Uh, and that gave us another layer of validation when we saw that the conversion on people starting this bot so willing to try out the product was still very good. Mm-hmm. That for us was a great signal. But we also saw at the same time that the number of people completing the flow was not satisfying enough. And that um, led us to, to realize something that is right now at the core of our business. And it is that 
services are something extremely personal. Um, first of all, because your needs uh, when it comes to, I don't know, repainting our apartment, your needs, even, even though we both want the same service, which is painting, your needs are different from mine because your apartment is different. Uh, it's in a different location. You, you might have, you know, like specific requirements uh, concerning your furnitures, your walls, your ceilings, uh, the paint you want and so on and so forth. So there, there is so much flexibility in there that, that something has to be taken into account. And second, it's very personal when it comes to the fact that you interact with the service provider, which we call Tasker. Mm -hmm. When it comes to painting, repainting your apartment, you let someone into your apartment. Uh, And even when you don't have a physical interaction with your Tasker, usually you are asking someone else to do something for you and when the tasker is done you are left with the result of Mm -hmm. the work of the tasker and you need to be happy with it right if you're not happy with that uh well then just it doesn't make any sense so you need to trust the platform and you need to trust the, the the tasker and those are learnings that we uh generated Uh, which might sound very obvious right now, um, but we generated with the second iteration of our MVP. So this kind of, this kind of thoughts and that ultimately gave us the the confidence and we felt we had enough information um, and, and learnings to move to the third iteration, which was uh, building our, our, our app which is what is uh, is live right now so we when did the when did the business i guess when did the first landing pages go live let's start from there uh i would say we are talking about february more Mm -hmm. or less and we did few iterations on that and let's say that we had uh, the the pages live for a month in total, mm-hmm. and um, after that, there was a little bit of time that um, that it took me to build this kind of bot. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's say another like I don't know, maybe two weeks, even because back at the time back uh, at that time I, I still had a my my job right so i was doing it in, in my free time um and then we had this kind of uh, bots live for let's say another month mm-hmm. and then we slowly started building building the app and i would say our pace uh, increased over time uh, while this became more more like concrete yeah i think that's that's what i was just trying to work out because the whole idea of the lean is that consistent iteration feedback loops and the idea is it's meant to get a little bit quicker a little bit quicker until hopefully the idea comes that you're you're doing experiments every single day on you know one thing or another but it's quite interesting seeing a brand new startup go from a complete conceptualization idea to okay we've gone through and then you're now on your third iteration from february so that i mean from from that process and i'd imagine you know, you've, you've built this out and you're probably, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, you're probably looking at ways, okay, how do we start the next processes of, of learning? How do we then start iterating that a bit further? Um, how, I guess, for, for anyone who's probably sitting there thinking, okay, it all sounds fantastic, but, you know, I'm not in tech or, um, you know, I, I don't have, I've not read the book or things like that. Not going completely deep dive into it, but is there any kind of really easy things for people to kind of take away from what you've just said there about if you're going to start start a new business, if you're going to maybe become an entrepreneur within a bigger corporation at the moment, which we'll touch upon in a second, what what would be the kind of the really short, sharp, snappy things that you would say, if you do this, you're, you're already starting your journey, probably without realizing it towards kind of a a lean startup idea. Um, Fair enough. I I think 
I think the landing pages approach is probably the simplest uh, thing that can be done, right? It's really, really easy to build a, a landing page using the tools I mentioned before because they are drag and drop tools, right? So it does not require any technical uh, capability or knowledge. Uh, you don't even have to do with, I don't know, like hosting the, the page or all, all this kind of technicalities I don't even want to get into. <laughs> um, super, super simple. And it's, at the same time, it forces you to, well, you need to put something into this landing page, right? You need to put some content and that means you need to get your ideas right. right? You, you need to, you know, uh, agree on like, okay, this is what I want to build. You basically need to make a little step from, oh, I have this idea that I think is very cool into like, yeah, I have this idea that is based on this, this, and this. I think it's differentiating because of this and this and this. And I think it uh, would be really, really helpful for this kind of persona and this kind of other persona and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So requires you to think. It allows you to write it down, uh, put it into a page, and then very, very simply. I, I, I swear it's really, really simple to get um, Facebook ads drive traffic into it. You get people uh, to prove or disprove your, your idea, which I also guarantee is an incredible satisfaction, right? It's a way to have feedback very, very quickly. And it doesn't matter if it's negative or positive, feedback is just fantastic, right? Because you are taking something out of your brain, putting it out there, and finally having people that are not your friends and family, which are not always the most trustable people to ask to, uh, giving you, you know, letting you know what, what they think. So mm -hmm. I, I absolutely um, advise to, to start in, in that way. Okay. I really appreciate you jumping through kind of your personal experience with your startup right now. It's, it is a personal thing you know, kind of laying bare a brand new idea and, and how it's working and, you know, absolute best of luck. I really do hope that the entire team and business expands and, you know, in, in 10 years time, you'll be, uh, you'll be in the front cover of loads of magazines and things like that. Who knows? But scale it back to your job before as well, because this isn't your first time doing Lean Startup. Um, and obviously you work for uh, probably one of the largest organizations, um, or at least one of the most reputable businesses, Bain and & Company. Um, and can you kind of explain, first of all, a little bit about what your job actually was? Because the ADAPT team in Berlin is quite different from probably what everyone else thinks about Bain and & Company. And you know, the experience that you guys actually bring to the table, you're, you were all extremely and you are, and the people working there are extremely highly kind of talented engineers. What was your actual role while working there? That, that might be the trickiest question <laughs> that I received so far. <laughs> now, jokes, uh, all jokes aside. So, um, yeah, Bain Company is a management consulting company. It, it's like one of the, the top three management consulting companies with like a great history, great tradition and, and massive, massive clients. Um, Bain over the years, uh, and, and sorry, when, when I say management consulting companies means that traditionally there, there is nothing digital, nothing technical, yeah. uh, and the, the kind of, um, expertise that Bain has is very different from the kind of expertise uh, or, or knowledge or experience that, that I have. Um, but over the years, Bain realizes that, you know, in order to still be relevant for, for its clients, it needs to get, you know, a little bit more up to date and embrace uh, digital and help its clients that as Bain are the massive corporation, these huge enterprises that 
very often struggle to keep up with, with, with the time, right? That, that uh, most of the time suffer the, the competition of much smaller, but much more, much faster and much more modern startups. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Bain realizes, okay, we need to fill this, uh, the, this gap. We need to support our clients in that. And that's when Bain decides to create a team um, adapt that stands for advanced uh, digital and product team. And there I was part of the of the development lab. Um, and I was, you know, I had multiple roles. I had times where I was working purely as an engineer, as in like building things for our clients. Um, most of the times still on the you know, validation products or MVPs, uh, but also other times I was just um, I was doing something completely different, more as a, more as a consultant, right? So advising on you know how to set up uh, a digital team, how how to innovate, how to do what uh, uh, what we use very often as a term in, in Bain, digital transformation, and and, and this kind of things. Okay. So then how do we get from you being this varied high performing engineer, consultant to somebody who's implementing the lean kind of way of thinking in the probably outdated thinking organizations? How did that start? How did you kind of, because I'd imagine you probably had quite a few roadblocks from people at that time. Thinking, okay, this couldn't be done. You know, we can't do it like that. <laughs> so how how has that happened? Because that's the main thing is that, you know, there are businesses who maybe aren't even as big as the companies that you used to consult. You know, we're talking about 100, 200 people who are probably still fixated on the way it's always been. This is how we've done it. This is how it's always going to go. No changing. How do we, you know, what, what kind of takeaways have we seen so far from your experiences in those companies with this idea? So, I guess, um, you know, one of, the th- one of the reasons why I was very, very attracted by, by Bain is because I, it's true that I, I was an engineer, right? And I was uh, part of an engineering team and building things and so on and so forth. But I, I realized very, very early that I was never particularly interested in the building process. I was never fascinated by engineering challenges. What I was fascinated was the result of the engineering challenges, right? So I was never fascinated. Well, maybe that's too much, but, you know, my main goal was never to write code, to write, to crack technical problems, um, the, my goal was always to build products that people love to use and solving the technical problems along the way for me was just like something you have to do to reach the result. Sure. So for me, Bain was um, was incredibly appealing because of that, right? Because the the uh, what Bain told me is like, okay, we, we are creating this team and we just want to build amazing solutions for our clients and we want to um you know help the our clients disrupt themselves and we want you to be part of this so i just thought it was fantastic and and on top of that when i spoke for the first time with uh with my with my manager um he was like talking about lean startup uh, all the time so i was like okay this is just like the 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 right place uh, for for me to be. Uh, then you are absolutely right when you say that um, it was incredibly challenging uh, to be part of Adapt, uh, and I think um, it, it it still is because because we had to change a mindset, right? We had to bring a new mindset. First of all, into Bain, and after that, into into our clients. And changing mindset is always always very very complicated. And I, I would say it requires a lot of patience, 
And it also requires uh, finding new ways to explain concepts and experiences that, that for you are, you know, so obvious, right? So for me, for example, uh, I've been called in the past like a, a natural lean startup. I, I guess it comes very, very simple to me. Um, so I had together with my team to find new ways to explain lean startup to, to people that actually come from the complete opposite mindset, which is I want to sort out all the possible problems. I want to find an answer to all my questions before I even talk to any user, right? So I don't want to have any interaction with any user based on something that is not defined and, you know, written on paper. Um, so very, very different mindsets that meet at some point and inevitably, inevitably clash. Now, to, to your question, how do you make corporation or how do you make anyone um, embrace or accept or even just consider lean startup? Um, for, for us, I would say that the, uh, the key was to really, really focus a lot on this concept of MVP as a mindset and really, really invest a lot of time in explaining what an MVP is, how it might look like, and why it's important. Um, because a lot of corporations say like, but uh, I don't, you know, I'm this big corporation and uh, I have this massive budget. I'm just gonna hire whoever is required in order to build this from A to Z and then we release it. And I, I, I don't need some, some crappy solution. So first of all, you need to start and explain it well, but it's not crappy. It's just minimum. You just want to reduce risks. And, and a lot of enterprises do not realize that the risks uh, they have are actually way, way higher than the risk the startup has. Um, to, in one example, if we uh, as Grazia end up building the wrong thing, well, I think we have a runway of like, I don't know, one, one and a half, two years. And, and then just like, you know, we run out of cash. We, we wasted two years, but it's done. But if you are an enterprise, a massive corporation with potentially an unlimited budget, you risk to, to waste a ridiculous amount of money. We are talking about millions and millions and potentially years and years into something that nobody actually wants. And you could have just realized that in two, three months, right? Spending virtually nothing. And so insisting on this concept is very, very helpful. And, and it does work, but changing mindset is, as in life, is not easy. Same is not easy for, for, for companies or, or corporations. Do you, do you find having done this in the two companies, obviously, that we've spoken about today, but in your former companies as well, where do you tend to see the most kickback? Do you see it from you know, maybe the, the management board, um, the developers or the engineers themselves? Where do you generally find the people who are less interested or less inclined to accept this idea? I think in my experience, this was uh, absolutely the, the management executives, right? Because I, I think there, there is a, a habit which, which I disagree with, but uh, I guess it's very, it's very common to believe that you can be right just you know b because you, you do know better because you have more experience than other, yeah. than others because you have you know experience much more than others and that gives you um you know puts in the position to make the right decision 
uh, and I, I feel it's very difficult for them to to accept that. While I think that maybe embracing full lean startup or embracing uh, the the concept of a radical MVP, right? So, so keeping it really to the minimum and so on in a normal in a startup might still be difficult. But I guess. Agile is already uh, much more um, known and used and common, and Agile already has, uh, or, or Scrum has already, uh, which is, I guess, used by 90% of startups, uh, already has the concept of, of iteration mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, uh, adapting to situations that change. And you usually have, you know, a designer, a design team with UX people that are used to go to users and ask to the users what, what they think, what, what they feel, and, and so on and so forth. So the, the mindsets are different, and that makes it a little bit easier for, for startups to, to embrace lean startup than, uh, than it is for, for executives in, in big corporations or enterprises. Is there anything, I guess, other than what you're saying there, just try and explain lean in a different way, trying to get them to see the the actual benefits of the quick feedback loop, sorry, the MVP. Is there anything different that you would suggest if somebody from a larger corporate is watching this and sitting there going, actually, I would want to try and implement that here. Is there anything different you would suggest how they could approach their managers other than those things we mentioned to maybe push that process along a little bit further um, than maybe, you know, where we are right now? Well, first of all, if they come from big corporation and enterprises, I would suggest them to hire a building company, <laughs> which, which I think my ex-managers would be very happy about. No, but jokes, uh, jokes aside, um, I am... I think that um, I honestly truly believe that it's just not going to work if the people that are in charge of a process do not want to, you know, consider or reflect upon or hear uh, hear certain things, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's based on my experience right and I, I guess it's maybe not the 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 best answer uh, not the one you were hoping for but I think like if you want to control the result of what you're gonna end up building I think you just have no 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 chances there right it's just not going to work you're gonna end up doing like this ugly mix of pseudo lean startup but at the end of the day you do whatever you want and, and you fail well then just don't even try uh, uh, implementing lean startup right because this is just gonna actually add additional work on top of it uh, but do I think do realize that big enterprises fail right like there are like a gazillion of examples of uh, out there um i don't know why but the, the 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 first example that comes to to my mind is the i think it was called the the fire phone or the amazon phone anyway right so they they they, they spent like a gazillion of money in there and, and it never uh, it never went to market even, but we could find a ton of other examples of things that get released by, by massive corporation and they just end up sitting on a shelf and nobody wants and nobody and nobody needs. And, and, and we see that constantly. We, we are actually surrounded by that. Um, we see it even in, in the furnitures, in the things we have in our house, you can always see when something was designed on, on you know, on a screen, on a table, on a piece of paper, and never put in front of a users, because then you, as a users, when you end up using that product, you see that it's flawed. You see that it just mm. does not work as you wish, as you would expect. So just there is no point in resisting to to, to this um, 
yeah, to, to, to this fact. And there is no nothing to lose in implementing lean, in, in, in building MVPs. There's really, really nothing, uh, nothing to lose. There is no reputation loss. There is no money waste, nothing. You're just going to learn something. So, so why not? I think we all should strive to, to constantly learn. And so enterprises should, should do that as well. That's words from a true advocate right there. Um, I think I think it's probably worth noting, and absolutely correct me if I'm if I'm not on the right path on this one. But reading through the book, and obviously I, I work in recruitment, right? So I don't have a product per se. Um, I, I work with processes, and I think that's one thing that, that I've been trying to implement into my team is how can we take the learning. Uh, validated learning aspects of the lean startup and help implement it into recruitment that will better help ourselves, our teams, etc. And one thing is process management. So we've started to play around the idea now is okay, we have a an interview process to hire somebody into our company. This is the hypothesis, this is the the validated learning we're trying to achieve. Let's go and do it. So it doesn't necessarily have to be just a physical product or piece of software. It could be a process. Is that right? I I think by by definition, right? Um, you need to have something that you can put in front of our users. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we follow this definition, yeah, I would say a process can be can be as well, right? So um, you might want to. I don't know, try to formulate a question in, in, in multiple ways mm-hmm. and see how, how it performs. I, I don't know if this makes sense, right? This is yeah, your, yeah. Your, your business, you, you know better. But, <laughs> so yeah, definitely. I, I think you you can apply Lean Startup to, to basically anything you need to interact with the final users of your product going back to product market fit, you're not building anything for yourself. Or, or uh, maybe you are, but then I guess you're not building a, a business. Um, so your users, the market is the only one that can really judge, they can really validate, they can really prove or disprove any assumption. If you can interact with the market, then you, you can do an MVP there. Perfect. Well, Lorenzo, look, before we run out of time, I appreciate you, you know, so much for jumping on and explaining um, kind of how you've dealt with it in the past two companies. Unfortunately, we didn't get onto the third, but obviously if we have more time at a different time, then of course we can cover that as well because in that business, you know, you had a slightly different role there as well and it's always interesting to see the process. Um, with your, your current company, um, obviously with Grazia and, and obviously the launch and things like that, if people wanted to try it out, if people want to sign up and, you know, use this this kind of tasker platform, where can they find you or where, where can they find um, the website? Yeah, so they can find us on, on the App Store and on the Play Store, uh, just searching for, for Grazia. Uh, the app is available for the time being in Berlin only, Berlin, Germany, mm-hmm. and we are planning to, to extend to, to more cities uh, as soon as possible. And um, they can also find us uh, on our website, seygrazie.com, say as in the English, say. And from from there, they can learn more about, about, about the app. We, we have some... Uh, hopefully very tailored uh, landing pages that explain what our, our product is. Perfect. Uh, I, like I said, thank you once again. I appreciate it. I'll put all that information on the videos as well. Um, but yeah, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very, very much. It was my pleasure. Have a good one.